Hello there, and welcome to another edition of the Mixtape Podcast, the podcast dedicated to deconstructing the films that we love from a screenplay writer's perspective. I'm your host, my name is Marcelo Nestroza, and I'm joined by my metaphorical Buddha when it comes to screenplay writing, my dear friend, Dean Stark. And on today's show, we'll be talking about the 1999 film, Existence, written by that weird filmmaker that we all love sometimes, David Cronenberg, and directed by him as well. So, if y'all are not really sure about how we do things on here, we just watch films that we love and sometimes that we hate, and we sort of break them down from a screenplay perspective. Existence is a movie that not a lot of people have heard of. And the reason they haven't heard of it is because it's kind of one of those underground movies, although it wasn't independent. It wasn't an independent movie. It's just bring it up to someone and they'll be like, I have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. It kind of went, they kind of swept it under the rug, which is so disappointing because I actually fucking adore this movie. Yes. It was written, directed by David Cronenberg. Now, some people might be sitting there listening and going, I know that guy, I know the name, but I don't know what he's, he's kind of done. So just to give you a little bit, some of his movies that he's done, he's done scanners, videodrome, videodrome is probably his biggest, biggest one to date that you might know him of. Movie people will. Like mainstream people will go, what's Videodrome? <laughs> um, the Fly with Jeff Goldblum, he did that. I'm sure you'll do, you guys know that one. The Dead Zone, Cosmopolis, that really fucking weird one with Robert Pattinson that I personally did not understand two inches of that movie. Um, and the new one, Crimes of the Future, which is kind of like body, body horror. Which we will which... cover on the show, sorry. Yes, we will. Which, um, did you know that David Cronenberg actually made Crimes of, uh, what is it, Crimes of the Future in 1970, and he made it again in 2022? Did you know that? No, I did not know yeah. that. Wait, 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 yeah, wait he's already is... made it. So he did it again? Probably because when it came out in 1970, again, it kind of went undetected and he wasn't David Cronenberg back then. Like he wasn't like who he was. And so I don't think much people, many people knew about it and maybe he didn't have the effects that he wanted to use. And maybe it was low budget and maybe he just really likes the story and went, you know what? I want to do this again. I have, I have a name behind me. I have a budget behind me. I want to do it again. I'm pretty sure that's why he did it. Okay. Okay. So as I said, 1999 written and directed by David Cronenberg. Video game designer Allegra Geller has created a virtual reality game called Existence. After a crazed fan attempts to kill her, she goes on the run in an attempt to save her game. Now, if anybody knows David Cronenberg, they know that he's weird as fuck. That is not a bad thing. That is uh, a good thing because he thinks outside of the box. And so this is definitely, definitely a David Cronenberg movie. This is not a movie that you know, Steven Spielberg would do George Lucas. This is no, this is not that this is a David Cronenberg movie and nobody else would dare do this movie because it is so fucking weird. This is this movie I loved because I am a gamer and anybody that's seen it or wishes to see it after, after this, um, after they listen to the podcast, it is for me the direction in which gaming is going because you can see it already. You can see the virtual virtual reality thing come out. You can see it connecting more to our our um, our brains and our brainwaves. Like you can see that 
David Cronenberg, what he was writing, he thought, he probably thought, oh no, this is just ridiculous, but I do think that this is where gaming is headed. I'm, I don't agree with it, um, but I think a lot of people will, will get on board with it. But anyway, let's start. So the opening scene. I love the opening to this movie because you're in it straight away. You're instantly introduced to the main character, which is Allegra Geller. She's a game designer. Um, you know her job. You know that, you know, when she starts talking, she's kind of shy, kind of introverted. Um, sets up the plot within the first, like, two minutes. You know, he starts talking, this guy that's... um. I don't know, they're in like a church. It's, it's like a church setting and there's like an audience and he's introducing the game designer, which is Allegra Geller, and he's talking about a new game she's designed called Existence. And so he starts talking about it. He goes, okay, this, this is a new game. It's never been played. It's brand new. You guys are kind of going to be like the the beta team so you're gonna you're gonna test it out you're gonna see how it goes you're gonna see if there's any glitches and then we see the game consoles so the game consoles are really interesting to me because they're they they kind of gross me out because they kind of look like deformed boobs <laughs> you know like do you get that the game design it kind of looked like a deformed boob no actually i didn't get that i i think i think the game <laughs> control pad I think the game control pad looked like a looked like an aborted fetus, right? Because oh my god, you are fucking dark. Yeah, <laughs> I think it looks like, like a boob, and you think it looks like an aborted fetus. No, no, look, I mean, I, you know, you know, I mean, look, because when because when women have babies, for those of you who don't know where they come from, after they after after the babies come out, there's another piece of the of the umbilical cord that has to be pushed out of the mother, right? And that's what I think the the um the game consoles look like i thought it was very very unique but very very odd but then again i am watching a cronenberg film after all and i do think that the star of this movie is extremely efficient you do meet your main characters the main plot of the film is set up right away uh big props for the guy who who is actually giving the presentation that actor's name is christopher eggleston he is actually the ninth Doctor in the Doctor Who reboot, so it was really, really cool to see him in another role because I, 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 um, I, um, I haven't, I haven't seen him in too much stuff. Um, but I, I thought this movie had a brilliant, brilliant setup, but when, um, when shit hits the fan and the main character or the game designer gets shot by a gun that shoots that shoots teeth i thought was really really cool but again it was so it was so odd it took me a couple moments to 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 get used to the aesthetic of the film because because david cronenberg is so fucking weird that if you're not used to him like i'm not it takes a minute to get used to like for example when uh, jude law and the game designer leave the church and they go into a car and they, they're, they're trying to escape. Uh, Jude law picks this, picks this thing out of his pocket. And, and he's like, it's, it's my pink, it's my pink phone. And it, and it looks like a fucking yellow blob and it, and it, and it blinks pink. And then, you know, Miss Geller grabs it and tosses it out the window. So I found the, uh, two opening scenes to this film very, very intriguing because I thought they did a good job of letting you know 
what kind of world you were in and the, and, you know, and the fact that you were watching a David Cronenberg film. Yeah. Um, I, I agree with everything you said. Um, the, the, the movie, he did a great job at setting everything up really quickly. And the inciting incident happened within like literally the first five minutes and you're off, you're off on the story. So, um, just going back a bit, um, they, the guy, the Doctor Who guy brings Allegra Geller on the stage. He introduces herself. She says, this is a new gaming experience. She gets everyone up on stage so they can sort of, sort of play it for the first time. Um, and a guy in the audience pulls a gun on her, which is the weird looking weapon that fires teeth as bullets, which we find out in the next scene. And he says death to Allegra Geller and death to the company she works for. So you kind of, you kind of go, Oh, okay. So she's okay. So there's people that don't like her. Why don't they like her? Why don't they want her game to get out? Why don't they like the company she's working for? So it kind of sets that up as well. So her and Jude Law, who plays a character called Ted Peichel, he is basically the, you know, kind of nerdy security guard that works there. He grabs her and they kind of go on the run. And that's when he gets that call from his, that, that like that weird red glowy phone thing. She throws it out the window. She's like, they're tracking us. So she kind of, she kind of has an understanding of why they want her, why they want her game. She doesn't fully know, but she kind of, because she's not really like, she's surprised, but she's not surprised. So it's like, okay, I understand. She, I think from her perspective, she thinks is, she thinks they want to get the game. But there's there's like a huger that huger that's not even a word but there's like a bigger picture going on that she doesn't she doesn't kind of fully understand. Um, I like I like the dynamic between Jude Law and Allegra Geller because they're so different. They're such different components and they clash a lot, but not in a bad way. Like she'll say something and then he'll be like, "I'm not doing that." Like he's kind of really reserved and he's like, "Oh, I don't want to do this." She's like, "Come on, come on, come on." Um, Allegra Geller, I just want to put this in. Allegra Geller is played by Jennifer Jason Lee. From the first time I saw this movie, I thought she was miscast, which is weird because David Cronenberg really, really rallied to cast her. He didn't want to cast anyone else. He wanted to cast her. Um, and I don't, I don't particularly think that she's good. I think Jude Law is fantastic. I never liked her. I thought she was miscast. Did you think that there was anyone in this, in this movie that was miscast or did you think it was, it hit every time? I did not like Allegra Geller throughout the throughout the course of this movie. I thought that she was self-centered. I she just seemed fucking off to me throughout the course of the movie. And hearing that, you know, it was Jennifer Jason Lee, I mean, for my money, Jennifer Jason Lee's best performance is in The Hateful Eight. Uh but but you know, but that's neither here nor there. But her performance in this movie was so it was like she she put the importance of herself and the game above everything else in this film. And I'm like, she was, she was disconnected to reality at some, at, at, you know, to a certain point in this movie. And once you actually do get in, once you actually, uh, once they actually do connect to the unborn fetus to, to get into the game, which we're going to talk about in a couple minutes here. I don't want to take the thunder away from Dean that's walking us through the film, but you really understand where she's coming from once we connect into her actual game. And once we come back into the real world, we, you know, we, we get to see what being in her game does to people and why it is so valued and why this company or why this organization could want to kill her for her game. 
Yes, we do find that out. Because at the beginning, you're like, how special can this game be? But as we go on along in the movie, we kind of find out. Um, we kind of find answers to this. So um, uh, Jude Law uh, or Ted Peichel and Allegra are kind of on the run. And then she wants to play her game to see if it was damaged. So she wants to go into it. And she said, I need someone to play with because this game can't be played alone. It has to be multiplayer. And he says, uh, I can't play it. I don't have a bio port. And so you're sort of standing there going, what the fuck is a bio port? Because it wasn't, it wasn't shown in the beginning of the movie how these virtual reality pods actually work or what they jack into. And so she starts freaking out going, oh my God, like how do you not have a bio? Like basically he's the only person on the planet. And so you get a, you get a feel like, oh, it's actually really unusual for someone not to have a, it's like, it's like, it's like it being unusual for someone not to have a television. It's like when you meet someone, they're like, I don't have a TV. And you're like, what? You don't have a TV. Like that was the reaction. Like, but everybody has one. And then she says, we have to get fitted for one. And so here we go to the gas station and we are very, very pleasantly surpri surprised. Fuck, can't even get the word out. We're pleasantly surprised to meet the wonderful Willem Dafoe, which I don't know if you knew he was in this movie, but I love his role because he always plays someone that is, he always plays like multi-layered character. Were you surprised to see him in such a small role? Yes, absolutely. I did. Um... You know, for those of you who don't know, when Dean recommends stuff to me, whether it be horror movies or anything else at all, I don't I don't generally watch trailers for anything that she recommends, and I don't read cast lists for anything that she recommends. So when William Defoe, uh vis-a-vis the Green Goblin from Spider-Man, shows up in this film as a gas station attendant, I was delight I was happily delighted in what he does and uh in the few you know, in the few moments that he has um uh in this movie i thought was great yeah i just i i mean i love his performance in anything he does he's just he's a brilliant actor so anyway they're at the gas station and he ted who's jude law is kind of like i don't want a bioport because the bioport we we learn is is a little hole that it's like kind of getting your ears pierced but it goes into your spinal cord so the game actually jacks in to you so you're, you're kind of the, the energy source for the game. And so Ted's like, I don't want a bioport. Like, I don't want, I like, no, because it could paralyze you. And then she's trying to convince him. Don't be, it's like, it's like, don't be stupid. Just buy a TV. It's like, oh no, but there's like radio waves coming off the TV. Just fucking buy a TV. It's the same shit. Anyway. So Willem Dafoe goes, oh, I can do it. I can give you a bioport. And then he he gives him a bioport and you kind of see what it looks like it 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 just it looks it the the effect is actually really good like the physical makeup they've done it actually looks like a hole that's been put into somebody's back for like a like a usb to fit into like a cord to sort of jack into um and then after that scene uh willem defoe's character kind of turns on allegra and says, there's a bounty on your head for $5 million. And, you know, I'm going to, I'm kind of going to claim it. And so this is the second person that's tried to kill her. And now we know there's a bounty on her head. And now we're thinking, why is there a bounty on her head? Like, why does, why do people want her dead? Why do they want the game dead? 
And um, I mean, obviously it doesn't work because if he killed her, game game over. But were you surprised when Willem Dafoe's character kind of turned and went, okay, I'm going to kill you now? No, I wasn't. I wasn't actually surprised. I thought that they, I thought, um, well, I, I personally thought that William Defoe was going to be a good guy, but the fact that he turned on her and wanted to kill her was kind of shocking because when we first meet him, he mentions to Jude Law's character that Allegra saved his life because of it, because of the game that she created. He found a new appreciation for his life. So the fact that he turned on her so fast doesn't really make i mean it makes sense from a screenplay perspective but then again it doesn't because of what he said previously um yeah but uh i i just want to say something about the 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 plugs <laughs> they actually uh um the um the effect actually reminded me of uh a, a dirtier a dirtier version of the matrix plug but oh, yeah. instead of yeah. instead of you know instead of being at the base of the at the base of the skull like the matrix plug this one was at the base of the spine also i really liked how when jude law first got the plug it swelled up and oh, yeah. you know you know and every, you know and every time that you every time you want to hook into the game they have to put vaseline around the plug <laughs> and you know and there's a you know and there's a scene where uh, geller just sticks her sticks her fingers into the plug and she goes it's excited and it's and it's so fucking odd Sweet. and weird and uncomfortable <laughs> but you know yeah. but that's but you know but that's David Cronenberg right um yeah. um <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, yeah I'm sorry for jumping all over the place but um that's what uh you know um uh jumped out at me as far as Geller's character and the reasons why uh you know uh people want her dead i guess yeah look when as soon as he gets the the bio port fitted or the usb port you know for people to sort of connect it with she's like cool let's play the game now and he's like now like it's just he goes she goes yeah it's fine the thing that i don't i don't know it it, it every time they showed it it grossed me out every time she put the cord into his back it just grossed me out. It was just like, ew. Like it didn't look great. There was no blood or pus or anything. It's just like that port and it, and the port, I don't know, whoever designed this shit, like it just looked, it looked so organic. It didn't look like, like a HDMI cable or anything. It looked organic. Like you said, like a placenta cord and put it in and turned it. And I was like, oh my God. Like it just looks gross. It grossed me. me. Every time that every, I've seen this movie so many times and every time she does that, I'm like, and there's like a scene where she like, she like moistens it with her, with with her mouth, like the tip of it, so she can get it in the port. And I'm like, oh, that's so gross. That's so gross. I don't like gross shit. Oh my God. So anyway, she, she jacks him into it and her pod starts to fry and then she starts blaming him saying oh my god like blah 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 you fucked up my port and that's when Willem Dafoe said oh I installed a faulty bio port into him because I want to fuck your game up I want to fuck you up and I want the five million dollars poor Ted Pykel Jude Law has never had a bio port he gets one installed and it's fucked so the next scene is she goes to one of her friends um who actually I don't know if he's like a, it's like a doctor or a scientist or something. And she said, can you help my gaming pod? Because she's sick. Um, and, and you know, she's, there's been a surge that's gone through her. Can you see if you can do it? And also he's got a fucked up bioport 
can you put a new one in? So he's like, yeah. So he puts a new bioport in, which we don't see, but it's kind of mentioned afterwards. But the the what, what I want to talk about was this character, he actually cuts open the gaming console, opens it up and starts operating on it. And when he opens it up, you can see it's actually organic. It's not... It, there's no metal components, there's blood, there's organs, there's hearts. Um, like it, you I, can see he, it's like a doctor. It was, I thought that was really cool. It's like a living organism. Yeah, it's cool. But that begs the question, how the fuck did, how, like, like what year are we in? How did Bruce, how did Geller create this thing? Like, is she, she's a, she's a, she's a game designer but she also has to be some kind of like doctor or something because how did she create something like this? No, like, but she didn't. Cre- she didn't create the pods. The company she works for created, oh, created the, the pods. pods. She just okay. created the game. The game. Okay, okay, okay. So somebody, so somebody else created the pods. Okay, okay. Yeah, yeah. So the 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 corporation she works for created the pods. Okay. So the other thing that I really loved that he put in here, and as a gamer, I, I, I did appreciate it, is when the operating on the sort of pod is done, I think it's Jude Law, when she brings it back to the hotel room, and Jude Law says, where does the battery go? And he was just being a smart ass. And she said, you are the battery. It runs off of you. So if you've got energy, it runs faster. If you're sluggish, it, it goes sluggish. And I was like, oh, my God. That is so, you are the energy source, you're the battery. And that's what makes me think, fuck, man, this is where we're, I'm telling you, this is where we're headed. <laughs> There's going to be bioports, the, the games are going to jack directly into our spinal cord, directly into our mind. This is what's going to happen, mark my words. Save this podcast for like 20 years. You can refer back to it and say, Dean fucking told you. Again, I'm not I'm not a fan of it, but I know that a lot of people would be. But I really just I really loved that concept. So now we get to the game and we port into the game. She runs she she boots it up and now they're in a gaming shop. And he's standing there and she's standing there and they're like, "Huh. Okay." So they're looking around and they're kind of not sure where they are even though she designed the game. It's kind of like because there are a few times in the game where she doesn't know what's going on. And I think people might be like, but she designed it. It's kind of like someone designing Grand Theft Auto. It, it Sometimes it just runs off on its own and does stuff that you kind of didn't put in there. That's the only way that I can kind of explain it. But anyway, they poured into a gaming shop. And the gaming shop for gamers is kind of like, it's like the waiting room before you go into the game. Like for example, I don't want to keep using Grand Theft Auto, but I think it's the game that most people know. When you start any Grand Theft Auto, there's always a first scene before you actually get into the actual story of the game. So either you're you're robbing a bank, you're fighting something, blah blah blah. It's kind of like the precursor to enter the game for the story to push forward. So this gaming shop is kind of like the waiting room, the first scene before they actually get into the game. Another thing I wanted to address for gamers and not gamers is the first person they speak to is an uh, NPC. a character that, right is uh as a character called Darcy Nader is an NPC so for people that don't know what an NPC is an NPC is a non-playable character NPCs are in literally every game um, they serve a, a single purpose and they have a limited number of actions and reactions to the player for example, let's do Grand Theft Auto once again. 
So you you walk into a police your your character you're playing your character. You walk into a police station and there's a, a secretary there. And so you say, you know, I'm looking for this person, and they go, oh, they're down the street to they're they're down the hallway to the left. In a game, you can press talk multiple times. So sometimes you press talk again to this same secretary and they'll be like, oh, they're down the hall to the right. Like they're like this specific character is programmed to say one thing and one thing only. And that is to push the character in the direction that they need to go. So I loved the first NPC because she, he did that because they were asking questions and he sort of didn't answer. And she says, you have to ask the right question because he only has a certain amount of things that he can, that I've programmed him, him to say. And so Ted's like, cause he's never played a game before. Jude Law's character is like, Oh, okay. So they end up asking him, what's this? Cause they find like a micro, a micro pod. And he goes, Oh, this is this blah, blah, blah. You should use this. So he's pushed them. If you want to get into the game, if you want to get into story oh. mode, you actually have to use these kind of micro pods. Is these micropods like going into the bioport? Ew, I fucking, oh, I don't like it. I don't like it. That's worse than her licking the thing and putting it in the bioport. When those things, when that thing gets sucked into her back, that was fucking gross. That actually reminded me of a, of something, something worse. That reminded me of like a, uh, close your, close your ears, children, but that reminded me of like a butt plug. Oh, I didn't get that in my mind. <laughs> uh, you know, and uh, you know, I just want to—I just want to make a quick note about um, the NPC when they first go into the sort of sort of the sort of the um, cutscene introduction to her game. I really love the NPCs because I used to be a gamer. I used to love playing video games, and the things that I used to fucking hate was talking to NPCs because. Uh, you know, a lot of times I would get stuck on a certain level, as all gamers do, right? And I would get so frustrated that I would walk up to the stupid fucking NPC guy, and I would think that he would give me different information to get me out of this level, and to get me unstuck, and to get me moving on to the next point, and to get me to move on to the next part of the game. But he often didn't, and I just, you know, kept roaming the same level forever, until I quit or I got out. So that first part of when they entered her game really, really made me smile specifically because they talked to the NPC and David Cronenberg wrote M NPCs right because that's how they act. Yeah, I look, I, I don't think I've ever had, look, maybe there have been moments in my gaming life where I have had trouble with an NPC because I've gone up to one and they're like, oh, you know, just just go here and go there. And I'm like, oh, okay. And then I go here and go there and there's nothing. And I'm like, and I, then I go back to him. And I've tried it because sometimes they do say different things. And so I press the talk button. He's like, no, go here, go there. And I'm like, are you going to fucking, I went here and I fucking went there and there's fucking nothing there. And so I'll be in a fucking loop and I'll be like, what the fuck? They don't, the thing is the NPCs, sometimes they give you specific information. Sometimes they don't. So, for example, this NPC is saying, go here, go there. But what I'm not getting is when I go here, there's like a little, there's like a code on a wall. 
that I need to get. And I'm like, oh, okay. So sometimes they're annoying because they're not specific. But in Grand Theft Auto, you can beat the shit out of them, which I normally do. I'm like, yeah, you don't want to give me, you don't want to tell me where to go. I'm going to beat the shit out of you. <laughs> so, so I do. And in Grand Theft Auto, a side note, you can also beat the shit out of almost anybody in Grand Theft Auto. You can rape hookers. You can do all sorts of... Can you? <laughs> yeah. Of Wait, no, you can't. Yeah, you can. You cannot rape. You can't rape hookers. Are you kidding me? I've played every Grand Theft Auto, and that has. A, you can sleep with hookers. Like you can go to like a strip bar, uh, but I've never. Yeah, okay, like you, I think you in, uh, yeah yeah you can sleep with them. You can't rape. Can you? Can oh my god, that oh would god. be so can awful. Can you? Can you imagine? It's not that. It's not. It would be awful. But can you imagine if? In a game, like in Grand Theft Auto, you could do that. There would be so much uproar. There was, I remember, let's just fucking divert for one second here, like we always fucking do. In, in Red Dead Redemption 1, I think it was the first one, there was a there was a cut scene. It wasn't even a playable scene. It was a cut scene of one of the cow one of the asshole cowboys. I don't know if he was he he might have i don't he, it looked like he was just having sex with the girl he might have been raping her i i don't know but there was like you know you could see like boobs and stuff and there was a huge fucking uproar saying you cannot have that in the game like you can't have like boobs because kids play it. i don't know why kids are playing red dead redemption anyway parents do not let your fucking kids play that because all you do is kill people anyway. And yeah, there were, but I think more so it was like, can you take like that rape scene out because it's disturbing. Now I, I know the cutscene they were talking about it. Look, it wasn't, wasn't the best scene in the world, but I'm, I'm not a complainer. I'm not a snowflake. I don't get triggered easily, uh, but I do understand why, why um, they would want it taken out. But that's just a perfect, yeah, you can't put that shit. Cause so when you said that, I was like, no, that's not in the game. <laughs> And and when you sleep with hookers in Grand Theft Auto, you don't see it. They just go into a room and then they come out and you don't see anything. Not like The Witcher 3 where you like full on see it. <laughs> you full right, on right. see it. Um, and everybody everybody's listening to this is like, they're like, what? They're like going to go out and fucking buy The Witcher 3. <laughs> just yeah, yeah. Yeah, speaking, don't do that. Don't do it, sickos. Speaking, speaking of um, good, good NPCs, I think The Last of Us has really good NPCs. Um, I mean, why are you bringing that up for? You know I don't play that game. So anyway, we've we're at the NPC. We're at that bit where that that micropod thing goes in the back, which I just find fucking gross every time. So when that micro thing goes into the back, that is basically jump starting the storyline that they're going to be projected into. Now in this scene, you get a lot of vital information because Jude Law starts acting not like himself. And he says, wait a minute, that wasn't me. And she said, that is your gaming character. Just go with it. Which I found awesome because it's like, it's like when you're playing um, any game, I don't want to use Grand Theft, Assassin's Creed, what, what the fuck ever you're playing, um, Last of Us. So it, whatever game you're playing you play the main character you're not the main character like because you're you but you're playing the main character but in this scenario it's so realistic that you actually turn into the main character so imagine playing a game like assassin's creed you are the assassin and your character and the skill set that you have is all the skills that your character has so this is what we're 
this um this is um what is uh in the movie in the game so you know okay the things that Jude Law's character does the things that Allegra Geller's character does may be out of character for them because they're themselves but then they're also a character in the game does that kind of make sense yeah it does i mean look you know and you know for someone who uh, for someone who's possibly watching this movie and didn't you know you know didn't play games when they were a kid uh, for whatever reason uh if that is indeed the case i'm sorry you had an awful childhood um <laughs> terrible childhood <laughs> terrible yeah. but you know you know but to me who i i i'm a, i'm an ex-gamer and the fact that i'm speaking to a current gamer to me that totally makes sense because back in the day when i played games i i was often in that situation and i'm sure dean when you play video games you're in that situation all the time when you are when you are play, when you are playing as someone who you are not so yeah yeah no, no yeah, yeah yeah exactly yeah but um i like i like the concept in this how it's like you they are their gaming characters now yeah so anyway um the port goes in the back and then there's there's kind of there's a little bit of a scene and then suddenly you're thrust into another scene and Jude Law is by himself and you kind of you kind of got a close up of him and you're like okay where the what's what it's like a jump cut and you don't know what's going on and then you slowly realize oh okay so this is the actual game starting so Ted or Jude Law is working at like a trout farm, which is a really weird thing to do. And he's kind of, and you see what he's doing. He's like cutting up some weird, like amphibian, futuristic creature. And he's cutting it up and he's taking out the heart and he's putting it in like a paper thing. And he even says to the guy next to him, I don't know how I know how to do this but I know how to do this. But again, that's his character. If his character knows how to do it, he knows how to do it. It's kind of like the matrix when, um, um, Neo and Trinity are on the roof and there's a helicopter and Neo goes, do you know how to fly a helicopter? And Trinity goes, oh, hold on a sec. <laughs> and then she like downloads it into a system. She goes, yep, now I do. It's kind of the same thing. Like it's, you have a whole new set of skills. Um, it would be weird. That would be weird though. That would, can you imagine being in a game and you know you're you, but you have all these these new skill sets and and talents, and you just know how to do shit. Like for me, that would just be weird. Yeah, um, that would freak me out. But the other thing that I thought about this movie, as much as I liked its weirdness and I appreciated its storytelling, uh, tech, you know, its storytelling drive for the most of it until we until we get to where we're gonna go, but. I feel that you really have you to appreciate this movie. I think you really have to be a gamer because if you're not a gamer, understanding what is happening in this movie, once they get into the game and the various different levels that they're going to go through is very, very complicated. Wouldn't you say, or, or am I just, or am I just, yeah, no, it is, it is because dumb? yeah, I've been playing games my entire life. So when this movie came out, um, everything that David Cronenberg put in the movie that was that was that to do with gaming, I understood straight away. And you're right. If you're not a gamer and you don't understand gaming um, terms or you don't understand, um, you know, uh, why characters do what they do and blah 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 blah, then you're probably not going to enjoy this movie as much, and it's going to be even more con 
confusing. I think that, I mean, he made it for gamers. I don't know if he is one, but he got everything spot on, I think. Like, even even when Ted, like I said, he's at the trout farm and he starts talking to someone next to him and he's just talking to them like, the, the, like they're a person and this person is an NPC and he doesn't realise until this person repeats himself and he goes, oh, he's an NPC, okay. So this NPC tells him where to go next. He says, you should go to the Chinese restaurant and order the special, which is what NPCs do. They're the ones that tell you where to go in the story in order to progress your character. So, but for people that aren't gamers and watch that, they kind of wouldn't understand that. So I think, I think that you are spot on about that. Is there anything else you want to say about that? Yeah. Um, you know, when you, when you, I mean, I mean, when you think about it in a screenplay perspective, NPCs are big giant exposition, exposition machines. That's what they are. Um, no, I think I've done it. I think that we, we can go to the restaurant now because the restaurant scene I want to just say this before you start talking about it. That scene was disgusting. I couldn't stand it. <laughs> um, would you would you believe that I found the porting into the bioport way more disgusting than the Chinese scene? <laughs> way more. Okay. Um, no, I mean, I you know, I mean, I could stand the porting into the bioport because I I have a gross sense of humor, and when she was doing that, I was thinking about something else that maybe I shouldn't be thinking about. But uh, oh, you're cr- you are actually disgusting. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but, like, but, but really, no. But, but but look, look, look. I I didn't say it, so I mean I could have said it. Everybody yeah. knows what you're talking about. Listen, listen, listen. Yeah. I want everybody. I want everybody to go watch this movie and just watch the scene, or even Google a YouTube scene. Watch the scene where they plug the port, which is like an organic thing, into the back. You tell me if you find if you think of anything else while that is happening. You tell me. I wanna know. I wanna fucking know. I wanna because I wanna prove that it's just you that have this fucking brain. Oh, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but yeah, but seriously, but don't you love me for my brain, right? Yes. Yes I do. I do. I absolutely do. Okay, so you wanna get to the you wanna get to the disgusting restaurant stuff? Okay, so we're at the we're at the Chinese restaurant. Now Ted Jude Law is having kind of like an issue. This is the first time he's ever been plugged into a virtual reality game. He likes it, but he's kind of unsure because everything feels uh, like so real. He's kind of getting a bit a bit confused. And he and this is probably one of my favorite parts of, of the movie. It's so subtle, but I love it. He turns to Allegra and he says, "How do you pause the game?" And she's kind of looking at him and he goes, "You have to be able to pause it, right?" And she said, well, yeah, but why do you want to pause it? And he goes, no, but I want to pause it. And then he literally just stands up out of nowhere and says, existence is paused. And then he kind of just, and then he kind of just, boom, he kind of just um, flops onto the, onto the table, which is great. And then he wakes up and I'm like, oh, and the reason I like that scene is not because he flops is because he's like, you have to be able to pause the game. And I'm like, yeah. That's like an integral thing of gaming. You have to be able to pause it. And maybe some people watching this movie or that have seen this movie will be like, but how does he know that? Whatever whatever you want to do as a gamer, your character will know how to do. So the fact that he was thinking, how do I pause this game? That's why he st- stood up so frantically and said the game is paused because his character stepped in and went, oh, he wants to pause the game. So he paused the game. And then he went out in reality and was kind of, and was basically like, 
it feels real. He's like, wait a minute, the outside world feels just as real as the virtual reality world. Like, I don't know. And to me, this is one of the things why I, I would be against a game like this. I don't want to be confused. I enjoy playing games because I understand it's a game. I'm not in it. I'm separate from it. But if you have games which jack straight into you and feel so real, it's kind of like if anybody's seen that movie Surrogates with um, Bruce Willis where they jack into machines and they live, their, they live their life kind of virtually in machines, but it feels so real that you get confused between reality and gaming life. That's not something I want to <laughs> experience ever. I just think that that's dangerous and you shouldn't even fucking touch that. Uh, anything on that or, or I will continue. No, to me, um, that's one of the most interesting aspects about the movie because once once Jude Law comes out of the game, he really sees the effect that it has on the creator of the game. She's almost as high as she, she's high as fuck. And the only thing that she wants to do is be in the game. So I again, I think that I think that I think that that concept introduces one of the most interesting parts about the game that our society at some point because we have vr we have you know virtual reality things we where where we put on headsets and we disappear into the game so i think if society at some point gets to this which will happen one day it's very very dangerous like if that happens one day um, somebody needs to be watching the people in the game to pull them out before they get too engrossed in the game and they don't want to come back out. Yeah, that's true, but that's not going to happen. All you never, I mean, most people are not going to have someone there wanting right. them, like getting pulling them out. But you are right; you probably do need it. And yeah, you can see Allegra. She's like, it's like she's taking some sort of fucking drug because people her and the people that use the game like become so obsessed with it that it does like it, it gives you a sense of kind of euphoria and you can see that by when she comes out like that's what it's leading up to people don't want to live in reality anymore they want to live um in the game anyway so we go back into the game we're back into the restaurant and this the chinese waiter brings the special and Jude Law kind of looks at it and Allegra looks at it and they're like oh it's and it just looks fucking gross like it you don't even know what it is it just looks like like some fish meat slimy thing I don't even know what it is so Jude Law starts to pick it up and eat it and Allegra's looking at him like uh <laughs> and he goes I don't know why but I really want to eat it and it's just really disgusting me and grossing me out but I have to do it and she said well that's your character you know, don't fight it. So he's eating and it, look, it looks, I don't know what, I would love to ask Jude Law, what were you eating? <laughs> I wouldn't even know where to begin with what he was fucking eating, but he was eating it. And so as he's eating it and he's peeling the skin off these, whatever the fuck he's eating, fish, eel, whatever he is, he's peeling the skin off and their bones and he starts connecting the bones. And even that looks gross because it's like oily and fleshy and it's disgusting. So he starts connecting it and he, he takes a bite out of something and he kind of goes, what? And he puts his fingers in his mouth and he pulls out like teeth, <laughs> but like a bridge of teeth, not his teeth. And I'm like, oh, that's, I mean, that was fucking gross. And he goes, oh, what's this? And you look down and he's actually 
made the gun from the beginning of the movie, that weird weapon that that guy had that shot Allegra with the tooth that was the bullet. So he, that that's the gun he's made. And you kind of go, oh, so that's kind of like a setup and payoff. And you're like, oh, so the gun, the gun is actually from the game and maybe somebody's made it like you you can't at the end you kind of go oh I understand that but at this point you're like oh okay so that's that's from that and that's from that so he puts the teeth in and he locks and loads it and she said what do you want to do and he said I want to kill someone and she goes well who do you want to kill and so he points the gun at her and he says death to Allegra Geller and she said that's she said looks at him and she goes that's not funny and he goes oh shit I'm sorry I just I didn't mean to do that and you think that that's kind of like hmm him being funny but at the end you realize it's not him being funny but anyway she goes who do you want to kill and he says i want to kill the chinese waiter i don't know why i want to kill him and she goes well you have to do it and he goes yeah but it's so real i don't want to do it and she says yeah but it's not real and he was like oh yeah okay so this very very lovely chinese waiter <laughs> comes up and he goes, how was your food? How was the special? And then he just fucking Jude Law clocks him one with, with the gun, <laughs> shoots him like multiple times in the face. And if you look at the face, it's obviously a prosthetic face and it's not real. And it looks like something from David Cronenberg's movies. Like it's kind of like body horror. It looks gross, but also it kind of, it kind of does, does do the job. So he shoots the waiter. Um, the waiter goes down and what I love, is he shoots him and this restaurant is full of people. This is another gaming thing, which I appreciated so much. And I noticed straight away when I watched this movie for the first time, he shoots the waiter in front of everybody and every single person in that restaurant turns and looks, but does nothing. And they just sit there yep. and Jude Law stands up and he goes, Oh, um, uh, you know, I don't know what do you say, bad food or something, or, you know, everything's fine. <laughs> go back to, go back to doing what you're doing. And everybody goes, oh, okay. And they go back to doing what, what they're doing. Now, anybody else watching the movie will be like, why is everyone just like going back to normal? But as a gamer, yeah, but they're like a lower level NPC. So you've got an NPC which you can actually interact with, which progress the story. And you've got other NPCs that are just background people. And you notice that like in when you play games, if you say, if you're playing Assassin's Creed, Assassin's Creed and you kill someone in the middle of the street, 99% of the time the characters won't react they'll just keep walking past you so that was another nod to to gamers out there whereas yeah like so that would actually happen in a game again I feel like David might be a gamer because there's no way if you're not that you wouldn't know this stuff this shit is subtle this is not something that you google and you're like oh this is how this he must have been playing and I'm not talking about like Super Mario Brothers. I'm talking about like game, game, games. But um, yeah, yeah um, I either, love that scene. Either that, or he, or either that, or he has a crack research team. Um, <laughs> yeah, it could be. You know, could but be. but you know, but I like to think that maybe maybe he wanted to, in some way, write this film for his for his kids because I believe he has two kids. And one of his kids is following in his footsteps and becoming a filmmaker in his in his own right. So I can so I can imagine him possibly asking his kids for advice while he was writing this movie, depending on how young they were. Um, oh yeah, I can see that. Yeah, I can see it. Yeah, but in reference to the special plate, that thing was gross, That's disgusting, gross. 
as all hell, but I really liked how at one point, like you said, he, you know, he was peeling away. I like to, I like to believe that it's chicken, right? He was peeling away the chicken <laughs> and then he found the pieces to put the gun together. But I also really like the effect once he shoots the, the, the waiter. It reminded me of, uh, of that scene in RoboCop when they killed Murphy in the warehouse, right? And you see the, and you see the squibs explode on, all of his body in his midsection. I really like the practical effects in this movie by the by the makeup people because I think that this movie is extremely violent. But when 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 somebody gets killed in this film, you really feel it. Like the squibs are loud, they're bloody. It's just really really well done from a practical standpoint. Yeah, I thought it was. Yeah, from a practical standpoint, um, you know it. You know me, I'm not a huge fan of special effects. I like everything to be done old school because I think it can be done old school and I think it looks better. If this movie was made now, it would all be CG. It would be like Blade Runner. Everything would be CG. And I'm not, look, I, I'm kind of like you. I'm, I, I like half and half. I don't like all my movies to be CG. I like CG kind of mixed with with practical effects. Yeah, but I think the reason I like, yeah, I like this movie so much is because everything was practical. Like even the sh- the shooting of the waiter, like you can see that that was a prosthetic head, but it was done so well that like nobody else, nobody would notice. You would think that that was, that was real. So another thing that David does that is very, very gamey that maybe people would get confused by is when Jude Law's character first went into the game and he was in the trout farm, he was, I said he was talking to a guy next to him that was an NPC. So he was like some, some Russian dude. And so you see this Russian dude again at the restaurant. Now, some people might say, this is the same person. This is obviously the same person from the trout farm. And now he's, he's, you know, the owner of the restaurant. But what games do, especially games from David's era was because there wasn't a lot of, um, uh, like, what am I trying to, because there wasn't, they didn't have a lot of, um, oh, what is it? They didn't have a lot of, uh, people, I, I don't know, faces to, like, they only had a, num- a number, a set number of sort of face faces to work with. You would often see in older games, the same character over and over and over and over again, just kind of in different clothing. This was prevalent in the old Grand Theft Auto games. If you play like Vice City or even Grand Theft Auto 2, like really old, you'll see a lot of the characters look exactly the same because they only had a limited number of faces to work with and it was easier. So what David has done is he's put that into the script. So the guy that Jude Law was talking to and the restaurant owner is the same person. Did you did you think that it was the same person or did you think oh they've just obviously used the f- the face again because that's a gaming thing or is that just me No no I I knew that was a gaming thing I knew that was a gaming thing and yeah. just uh, just FYI to 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 to, sh- to show you guys how fucking old I am I played uh Grand Theft Auto the original Grand Theft Auto and Grand Theft Auto 2 so I'm fucking old <laughs> yeah so you know exactly you know exactly what i'm saying i could i yeah. i didn't like i didn't even really know how to explain it i'm like uh but yeah they only had a set number of faces yeah yeah, yeah to work yeah, with yeah they only had a set number of images because because back then you couldn't just you know randomly hire somebody and and uh and, and digitally and digitally scan their face yeah exactly you know? exactly so i love that that was kind of a little nod 
to, to gamers as well. So in this scene, the restaurant owner takes uh, Jude Law and Allegra Geller out the back and he basically gives us a little bit more plot pointing, a little bit more story and basically says you're an undercover agent. So Jude Law's character is an undercover agent that works for a company called Cortical Systematics. And he runs through Cortical Systematics is like a big corporation and they're trying to be they're trying to they're trying to be taken out by something called the Rebel Underground Forces. And so you're like, oh, okay. So Jude Law works for Cortical Systematics. He's he's an agent. He's an undercover agent um, that you know had to kill the the waiter because the waiter was like you know some sort of a bad guy. And Jude Law's like, oh, okay. So that so that's his character. And so you're sort of like, oh, okay. So I kind of oh, okay. That makes sense. Did you did you get that in that scene? Because that scene was obvious, but it wasn't obvious. No, I can no, I kind of missed that. I kind of missed that. Yeah, that because I I've seen this movie so many times and this is actually the first time that I've actually noticed that. And I'm like, oh, this is new information. I actually watched that scene three times because the way that the character says it, it's so off the cuff and it's so quick that you don't notice it. So he's like, yeah, you're an, you're an agent. We need more, we need more undercover agents working for, for cortical systematics. And I'm like, oh, cortical systematics. And he's like, yeah, yeah. The rebel underground forces are trying to take us out. I'm like, oh, but it's so quick. It's not, you know, like they didn't, he didn't, David Cronenberg didn't spend time on developing that side of the story. It was just, we need to put this in there because we need to kind of say something, which didn't put me off, but it was kind of just, it was a little bit quicker than I would have liked. Can I ask you something? Yeah. Um, <clears throat> in a lot of the movies that we've discussed so far on the show, your analysis of the uh, of the specific film that we are that that we can be talking about really destroys your love of the film. So, how? I mean, I'm getting a sense that this analysis is making you realize how much you love the film, opposed to the other films that we've talked about before on the show. Yeah, you you're right. This uh, this yeah, this analysis is making me realize how much I love it because it was written and directed competently. <laughs> That's why. <laughs> and I don't have I don't have nit I, everything that I've said is not a nitpick. I don't think I've had one nitpick. It's just it's just kind of going over, you know, why David wrote this the way that he wrote it and how good it was. Like that's a testament to his screenplay writing and right. his directing. When I mean, you know, when I have no yeah, nitpicks, know, yeah. it's a fucking rarity. Yeah. And you know, I mean when I mean just just to confirm, I mean Dean is Dean is a Dean is a very, very, very astute audience member when she really wants to be. And if she sees a flaw, even within me, She'll point it out right away. So, uh, <laughs> as you know, as attested yeah. on this podcast, every time I make a mistake. <laughs> uh, but that, that's yes, cool. Yes. That's, that's cool. That's the way she is, and that's why I love her. Um, but yeah, no, 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 no. I just wanted to ask that question because it, because we've been sitting here and I'm like, damn, this analysis must make her really realize how much she loves the film. So I just wanted to see if that was true or not. Yeah, I'm actually I'm actually finding things that I've never found before in this film and it's making me love it even more. But again, from a gamer's perspective, if I wasn't a gamer, I'd be like, what the fuck? This movie fucking sucks. Yeah. But yeah. from a gamer's perspective, it's all fucking awesome. Yeah, and if I wasn't the next gamer, I probably wouldn't be able to understand half the shit in here. Exactly, exactly. So yeah. the next scene after that, after we find out he's an agent, he works for blah, 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 blah. 
we actually get some more information that conflicts with the information we just got. So we go back to the gaming shop, uh, which we, which is where we first started, and we bump into another NPC um, because they're looking for the guy that they that they bumped into in the very first scene of the game, Darcy Nader. They're looking for him because they need more information from his NPC. And so the guy that's working in the shop goes, oh, yeah, I know where he is, and takes him out the back and Darcy Nader's dead and he's strangled by, like, the gaming pod, like, placenta um, cord thingy. And you're like, oh, okay. And then we find out the information that conflicts with the information we just received. He go, he looks at him, he goes, why did you kill the Chinese waiter? He was your contact. He was on your side. And Jude Law kind of goes, huh? I was told to kill him. And so he explains that the guy that told you to order the special, go to the Chinese restaurant, he's a double agent and he's the bad guy. And he's just basically convinced you to kill someone that's on your side. And Jude Law's like, oh fuck. And there's no way he could have known it. He's just playing. It's like playing a game and you do something and you fuck up and you're like, oh shit. But it's kind of, it's kind of part of the story. So that was interesting. And he's like, shit, like you, you shouldn't have done that. Like, so it turns out that Jude Law is actually on the side. He's, he is an agent, but he's on the side of the good guys. He's on the side of the rebel underground forces trying to trying to take down cortical systematics. Now, why are they trying to take down cortical systematics? Cortical, now, in the game, there are gaming pods, and cortical systematics makes the gaming pods. And the rebel underground forces are trying to take down this corporation because they don't like what they've done with the game. They don't like where it's going. Kind of like reality imitating art, imitating reality. So the rebels are trying to take down cortical systematics. Did you pick up on that or was that just me? No. I no no I got that too. I got that I got that pretty much from the beginning. Even that guy that you, you, you know, uh, even at the beginning of the film, when I had no idea why that guy shot uh, Allegra, I, I I really really started to get that because once I mean even the even in the beginning of the film, you know we saw the the you know these placentas being hooked up to these people, and I'm like this is not good, and I'm like and no and I was like I bet you there's gonna be an organization in this film that fights against that and goes after Allegra. I started working that out in my head, maybe seven minutes, seven minutes into this movie or something like yeah. that. Yeah. So the next scene after that, after he's been told all this stuff and he's just like, Oh fuck. Um, we, we go, uh, and we need to find, um, a pot. So Allegra, now they didn't, I didn't like this part because you literally go from a scene where this guy has said, you work for the good guys, you killed one of your own. And then it switches to they're back at the trout farm and Allegra says, we're supposed to be looking for something. But I feel like that information should have come from the NPC. And as an audience, we should have heard it. He should have actually said, you need to find this pod, jack into it, and it will give you all the information you need. But we didn't get that. It was, I don't know why he didn't write that in because that's something an NPC would do. Did you notice that? Because I just, I didn't, I didn't like that switch up because I didn't know why we were back at the trout farm. Like, why are we there? How did we get there? Like the story didn't push us that way. So what the fuck is going on? At first I didn't notice that, but hearing you say it now, it totally doesn't make sense because 
throughout the whole course of this film, especially while Allegra and Jude Law has, you know, have been in the game world, they've been using NPCs to get their information to push. <clears throat> sorry, to push their plot forward through the game. So it would make sense for them to try and find another NPC. It, it, you know, it doesn't make sense from a character perspective or a story perspective for Allegra just to say a piece of information that they would get from an NPC. Yeah, I don't... You know, David's been doing so well so far. I don't know why... I mean, it could have been cut out. I mean, he might have filmed it. It could have been cut down for time. And he was like, you know what, that works. We never know what happens kind of, kind of behind the scenes. But I felt like that fell flat because as a gamer... If you're somewhere, if if as a game you're playing and you're in a gaming shop, um, you know, and then, you know, you don't know where to go, especially if you're playing open world. You have to be told by an NPC, this is where you need to go next. Otherwise, you're just running around in circles. So I felt like that really fell short in the film to me. So anyway, they're back at the trout farm and they find this disease. It looks like a diseased pod, like a diseased placenta Um and she's like, oh, this is what we're looking for. I don't know how she knows this is what we're looking for. Um, again, it should have been clearer. It should have been explained. But I was like, all right, I guess that's what they're looking for. And then she says, oh, I have this desire to port into it. And I'm like, oh, really? And Jude Law's like, uh. And I'm and you're like, you know it's going to fucking go bad because it's like it's a, it's an organic – it's kind of like the equivalent of somebody that has the flu and you going, I have this desire to make out with you. <laughs> it's like, you know what I mean? Like, no, you're not going to make out with someone that has the flu. It's the same shit. And so she ports into it in that little port that goes in her back, which I find so fucking disgusting. And then she obviously starts to get sick because the pod is sick and because the pod is sick, it's organic. It goes through the little placenta cord into her back, into her system. So she starts to get sick um jude law doesn't know what to do and so he cuts the cord but when he cuts oh. the cord it spills out with blood because it's like a placenta cord and he doesn't know what to do and she's kind of bleeding out on the floor and it's kind of like you know you kind of don't know where the story's going to go like is her character going to die and jude law has to do the rest of the story on his own like you just don't know and then suddenly they wake up in the hotel room and she's kind of kind of wrapped her arms around him like as they were in the game and then he kind of wakes up and sees her and goes wake up wake up wake up wake up it was we're out of the game now he sees her pod is like actually dying not diseased but it's kind of i don't it, listen whoever aesthetically designed designed the pods and designed the movement it looks so fucking gross i love it like i actually love it it's gross but i love it like it just moves like some alien creature like i don't know i, I don't know did it did it do the pods gross you out or did you like the des, did you like the design of it i i liked the design of it but i liked how fucking weird it was like <laughs> so it, weird. you know it took me a couple of minutes to like understand why the fuck would a game console or or a game you know you know or or you know uh why the fuck would a with a game you know console look like this? And then I remembered, oh shut the fuck up! You're watching a David Cronenberg movie. He's gonna have weird shit in in there. And that's after after I came to that realization. That's when I said, you know what it looks like? It doesn't look like two boobs. It looks like it looks like the the rest of a fetus after a baby's been delivered because it still has the cord stuck to it. 
Yeah, you know, thinking about it, it actually does. I never thought about that, but you are right. It does look like a like a like a placenta sack thingy. <laughs> just, yeah, like just anybody, just Google it. If you don't want to watch the movie, just Google it so you know what we're talking about. It just, I thought at first it looked like two deformed boobs, but it mm. actually does look like a placenta. Like it fucking looks gross. Anyway, so they're in the hotel room. The pod is dying. They wake up, and then. There's there's like explosions outside of the window. There's 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 fire. There's um uh there's ammunition. There's fire. Um like um what is it like bullets? Sorry, that's what I was trying to get bullets, at. It's like yeah. bullets coming bullets. through the window. Bullets and an army guy fucking crashes in, and it's the same guy that was the shopkeeper in the gaming store that took them to Darcy Nader's body. And again, another tip of the hat to, you know, same person playing, playing multiple roles. So he crashes in. He's like, you have to come with me. You have to come with me. And then Ted looks at him or Jude Law's character looks at him and goes, wait, that's the shopkeeper. And Allegra's like, what? No, wait, we have to go. And he's like, but that's the shopkeeper. And then they kind of run outside and he goes, no, I think we're still in the game and that's when you go oh so it's kind of at that point you've kind of merged reality and the game and you don't know if they're awake and you don't know you don't know if they're asleep and so you go oh I thought they were out of the game but they're in the game they're still in the game which I thought was really really cool and then the guy that they went to to um like operate on the pod from before he comes up and he wants to kill Allegra Geller and you're like, oh my God, somebody else wants to kill her? Fucking hell. So he tries to kill her and he said that he installed a faulty bioport in Jude Law's character and I'm like, poor Jude Law's character, never had a bioport and the two he's had installed are both fucked. <laughs> like I felt bad for him at that point. And so um, Allegra uh, kills him and then Jude Law says, wait a minute, what if this isn't the game? What if it's real? And she said, but it has to be the game, right? And so she starts getting confused. And he's like, but what if it's not? Like, we don't know. Just because that guy's the shopkeeper, like, you know, and, and you're kind of, I'm kind of sitting there the first time I'm watching it. I'm like, what the fuck are they? And then did, before I go on, before I explain what happens next, did you like that scene? Did you like the fact that it was kind of like reality and gaming merged? I was actually, I was actually waiting for the scene because, I, because, the way the story was going, I was like, these people are going to get confused and there's going to be a point in the movie when Allegra and Jude Law lose their minds and they lose all they lose all touch of actual reality and they start to ask themselves questions about where they actually are, whether or not they're in the game world or whether they're in the real world. And also, I think that's what brings home the major part, the major pushing point of the movie and why this organization wants to kill Allegra because if gaming keeps going, if, if gaming keeps progressing like this, you're going to have a million people like Jude Law and, and, and like Allegra who are, so in, who are so immersed into the game that they're playing that at some point they're going to forget what's the game and what's reality and that's when the trouble really starts yeah exactly and it it messes with you mentally because you become addicted and i i like this scene because it was a payoff to the setup before the setup 
in the previous scene was when Jude Law paused the game and he came out and he goes, wait, this, this is real. This is real, just as real as the game. And so you get a gist of, you know, you can't, there's no difference between the game and reality. So in this scene, it, for me, it felt like a payoff because they'd set it up already because Jude Law had already said, this feels like the game. And so did you, did you catch that the setup and payoff? Yeah, I got it. I got it. I knew you would. I knew you would. I knew you would. I got it. So anyway, after after this kind of having, there's like fucking bombs going off everywhere and they're standing there like, is this the game? Is this not the game? Did you kill someone? Did you not kill someone? I'm like, maybe you should have this conversation not where there's like bullets flying. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> no, but anyway. no, 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 no. That wasn't just you. I was saying the same thing. I was like, Rod, what the fuck are you standing here for? I know, I know. But then we get kind of like the plot twist where Ted kind of turns and his personality turns, his mind shifts and, you know, he's he's got a gun and he points it at her and he says basically, you know, he's been the one, he's been her assassin. He's been the one that's been, that's been um, um, trying to get to know her in order to, to to take her out like he's and and then she turns around and said i knew you were my assassin right from the beginning i knew you wanted to kill me but i kind of had to wait for the right time now she's got this little thing in me bob i don't even i don't know what it is i don't know where she got it from it's like a clicker thing and so he's got the gun pointed at her he's like i'm gonna kill you now it's a remote trigger um, it's, a, it's a yeah but she presses it and he there's like some it, some it, like explosion that goes through his stomach, like his back. I didn't understand yeah. where that came from. No, because remember, uh, there was a there was a scene early on when she used one of those butt plug thingies. Well, they're 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 not butt plug thingies. They're like little mini versions of the game controller thing. And remember when she said, Oh, uh, your port is infected and I have to close it up for a while. So that's when, so that's when she put the little, uh, the little bomb charge in his, in his port. Did we see that? Yeah, we saw it. Shit. It was, it was really quick. <laughs> yeah. I didn't say that. We I've saw- seen this movie like 20 times. I've never seen that. No, we saw it. We saw it. Oh, um, yeah, so so you know, so that's that explains why she has the the uh, the bomb trigger, and when she blows it, that's why he, that's why the explosion starts from his little port and bursts his stomach and fucks up his entire back. Yeah. Uh, okay. 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 I totally totally fucking missed that. Yeah, it's a butt plug um, bomb. That's what it is. <laughs> How, like I don't know. I don't want to. <laughs> Let's just move on. <laughs> Everything in this movie is just sexual to you, isn't it? It's fucking everything. <laughs> except the <laughs> except except the one thing that should be sexual, which is the gaming pod, which to me looks like a boob. But to you it fucking doesn't. <laughs> so <laughs> we are on separate pages, my friend, with all this shit. But anyway, we'll move on from this. So anyway, when Allegra kills Ted, she stands there and she's on her own. And she's kind of turning around and she goes, Did I do it? Did I win? Did I do it? and then you and you're going did what and you're confused you're like what the fuck and then she turns around and she's got this like metal 
uh, thing on her head and then she raises her hand up. She's got this metal thing on her hand, like a gaming metal fucking thing. I don't even know what to call it. It's like, a, it's, like a, it's like a Wii controller. I'm sorry for interrupting you. It's like a... Yeah, yeah, like yeah, a, yeah, yeah. It's like a Wii controller thing. Yeah, and so you're like, what? And you're kind and You just don't know what's going on. And then, boom. You're in... You're back to the beginning of the movie where you're in this kind of church, warehouse, wherever they are. And you see them all wake up from the game and they've all got these metal things on their heads and they've all got this gaming thing on their their arms. And you're sitting there still going, what the fuck is going on? And then you kind of go, oh, they they were in the... Oh, okay, so they were in the game. But you still kind of don't know what's going on. You're like, they were in the game. And you see Allegra and you see Ted sitting there like in a semicircle of people that have just been like ported out of this virtual reality game like we saw in the beginning and you're still like for me when I first watched it I still at that point before anything else happened before anybody said anything I was going okay I yeah what did you think when that first happened mind fuck I was like really they've been in the game the whole time oh you you right so (laughs) yeah It's my favorite scene because it's the biggest plot twist. And then we realize right from the first scene of the movie, right from the first scene, it's actually the game. Mm -hmm. There is no going in and out of the game. It was the game from the beginning. And they're actually playing a game called Transcendence, not Existence, Transcendence. And you're like, oh, they're playing Transcendence. Okay. So that was a big mindfuck. I was like, oh, my God, from the first thing and Allegra Geller turns to the guy sitting in the middle now the guy sitting in the middle is the, the actual game designer is the actual game designer who played the guy Jude Law's friend in the trout farm and the restaurant owner that told Jude Law you're a double agent that is the real game designer and Allegra looks at him and says thank you for for letting me play a game designer and you're like oh what <laughs> Like, and then Jude Law starts talking in his beautiful British accent. I'm like, oh, good. You know how I feel about Americans, uh, uh, English people doing American accents. It fucking just kills it for me. So I was really, really happy that he was using his accent. And I like the fact that David asked him to do that because it, it, I can't even say that word. Differentiates. Yeah, that one. It's a hard one to say. Between him game character and him real life. So I, I loved that. And every single person sitting in that room that has just been in the game was a character in the game, including the Chinese waiter and Willem Dafoe sitting there. And he even said, Oh wow, my game, my game character died pretty quickly. And you're like, Oh my God. And you just look at them all. You're like, Oh, he was him. He was her. He was, I mean, she was her. And you're like, Oh, that is so like, I don't know. I thought that that was so fucking cool. Um, and then, uh, Oh, do you have anything else more to add to the mindfuck that we've no, just been actually, pulled into? No, actually, um, the the twist in the mindfuck, the the uh, the the M Night kind of twisting. Um, although I'm not I'm not comparing Cronenberg to M Night because that's unfair. Cronenberg um, is better than M Night. Um, here's the thing, though. I really, really enjoyed the twist, the the reveal that they were playing. The game from the beginning. What I don't like is the very end of the film. 
where okay all right we're gonna get you want to get to that we're getting to that all right um one of the before we get to the end of the film one of the other things i like that david did was at the beginning of the movie you have this assassin with this gun that's made of bones that shoots teeth now in the game Jude Law's character from this really nasty, like special he gets in the Chinese restaurant, he makes the gun with the teeth. Now that right there should have shown you that the whole thing was a game because that gun is only in the game. So, Oh my God, that's right. Holy shit. Right? Right? So and funny thing is this was the first time I've ever picked that up. I was like, oh, we should have known. <laughs> yeah totally should have known and that was a little like oh we're in the game we've always been in the game uh smart writing from him but anyway um so everybody kind of disperses and the game designer is talking to the host and basically voices his concerns that the story that they just played had a lot of anti-game and anti-game designer themes which was not his he's doing basically with his game transcendence is when you jack into it, it kind of goes off of you and your thoughts, your desires, your feelings. And it integrates that into the game, which to me is not a fucking good thing. Can you imagine if like serial killers or like depressed people ported into games? Like it would be, it would just make things even worse, but that was, but I thought it was really, really cool. Like a cool notion from David to let people's emotions and desires and passions kind of drive where the story goes. But anyway, he has concerns. He's like, someone here, someone in the semicircle, someone playing my game, like wanted to assassinate me, wanted to, like the whole theme of the movie was assassinating the game designer. And, you know, I think we should kind of do a questionnaire or question them to see like who it is. Uh, and then, yeah, so he's saying it had to come from, from one of the players. So in the middle of this conversation, Ted or Jude Law and, and Allegra with their, with their dog that was actually in the game, in the Chinese restaurant, come up to him and basically say that, asking him questions about his game. And then they start turning on him saying, do you really think this game, you know, is good? And basically everything that they say to him is, is kind of what I would say, but I would, I mean, I wouldn't be so fucking aggressive about it, but, um, <laughs> they were pretty yeah. aggressive. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so anyway, they're kind of questioning him. Like, do you think this is right? Blah, blah, blah. And then they kind of reveal that, that, um, their dog has like a fake coat on and, pull the coat back they've got guns and they kill the game designer and they kill the host and they basically they basically go around kind of killing everyone and they go to leave and the guy that played the Chinese waiter he's kind of sitting there and he looks up and they raise their guns to him and he kind of puts his hands up and he and I love I know you don't I know you said you don't like this bit I love this bit but he said like please don't kill me and they kind of just look at him with the gun and he says are we still in the game And then it cut to black, it ends. And I love that so much. But you just said that you didn't. So tell me your opinion. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, uh, thematically it works. And and, uh, thematically the ending of the film works because the major question of the film in my mind was if our society gets to a point where we have games like this, situations like this might happen where people might get pulled out of a virtual reality game that they're playing and they might be so engrossed in that game 
that they might think that they're still playing the game when they're actually not. Mm. Yeah. So they might yeah. do they might do dumb, stupid shit like this, right? I mean, could you imagine? Yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, just just an example. Could you imagine if we put Jeffrey Dahmer in a game like this? Could, yeah. With could, other people. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> bad, bad, very bad. <laughs> very bad. So 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 I so I like the ending because it delivered on everything that was set up in the film, but I didn't but the reason why I didn't like it is because it reminded me the possibility that society could one day get like this. And look, and to me, look, to me, entertainment often doesn't make me think about society, but for some reason, the ending of this movie affected me in that way. And I think it's because I, I think it's because I used to be a gamer and I used to, I, I used to love playing games so much that when I got out of the game, I felt like I, you know, I, I just wanted to go back immediately. So I yeah I think I think that's why it affected me so much. But from a script perspective, from a narr from a narrative perspective, it was perfect. Yeah, for me as well. I mean, I think the the other issue with this type of gaming system becoming a reality is everything we've already said. But imagine if you're playing a game and you're a, you're an assassin or a or a, a hitman or something, and you come out of the game, but you think you're still in the game. So, and you don't know what's what. So you go around killing people, not realizing you're not in the game, you're in real life. And that could happen. Yeah. <laughs> it's so dangerous. So listen, if this was real, I would definitely be on the side of the rebels trying to take out this corporation that was designing these game pods because you can see it's not good. And a lot of technology coming out today is not you can see it's going to be bad you can just fucking see where it's going and you're like no this is not good and technology they're trying to say oh they're making it easier they want to they want to do every like the alexa thing and the the siri thing oh it'll do everything for you and i'm like but but that stops us from using our, our brains and then you know the fucking stupid facebook meta thing virtual reality thing and it's like yeah but and they 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 try to they try to um uh show us you know on rainy days when you've got nothing to do and you're bored you can just put the virtual reality thing on but that's not going to happen people will get addicted people will do it like when they before they work after they work people become addicted to technology i mean look at how people are addicted to their smartphones you don't think that they knew that this was going to happen of course it is everybody's in you catch a train you go out everybody's fucking on their phones like nobody is experiencing life anymore. So technology can be good or bad, but as humanity, humanity just takes things to a dark place. For example, I saw this thing pop up on my Facebook. It's a new um, pair of Ray-Bans. Have you seen the new Ray-Bans? They've got cameras on them. Oh. So they've got a little, they've got a little camera on the side of the glasses integrated and they're trying to be like, Oh, this is really good. And I'm like, Oh no, my God, <laughs> this is so bad. Giant that losses. means you can basically, you can hit record probably by your phone and you can record people without their knowledge and without their consent. And they won't know that you're recording them. That's that, a who the f Like, 
this is what, I don't know why they thought this would be a good idea. hundred percent. It's a lawsuit, but they're going to do it. Like, Oh my look, God. It's just, look, I could just say it. it's just bad. It's look, I mean, bad. Look, 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 I mean, you know, my stance on technologies tech because of my disability, because of my disability and because of who I am, technology makes my life easier and it makes me accomplish the things that I want to accomplish a lot easier. But with that being said, with all the technology that I use, I have what a lot of people don't have, self-control, right? Yeah, you don't use it for evil, though. But no, the no, majority no, of no. humanity will use technology to fuck other people up. Right. Also, also, look, look, look. If I, look, if I ever buy a, a VR set, I could tell you the first thing I'm going to do. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to hop into that VR set and I'm not going to have sex. That's not going to be the first thing I do in VR. <laughs> Uh, yeah. First thing I'm gonna first thing I'm gonna do is I'm gonna go on the Starship Enterprise and walk around. That's what I'm gonna do. Yeah, yeah. But um, see, th look, the VR headsets are cool, but you have to be. They're heavy. I feel. I mean, no, it's not that. It, I feel like you have to be completely satisfied with who you are and your life if you want to yeah. use it, because mm -hmm. that will stop any addiction. Because it's like, well, actually, my life is a lot better than this VR. Yeah. But if it's not, which most people lives they're fucking shit, they're going to want to pop into the VR more so mm -hmm. than live their real life. And this is the pro and they know this. Corporations That's know the problem. this. That's the problem. See, you That's can use it for good or evil. You use technology for good. But can you imagine those glasses with the fucking with the camera? Oh my god, pedophiles. Um <laughs> you know, a guy filming while he's having sex like it's just it's disgusting. I mean, I can just imagine the filthy things that people like people on on beaches wearing them filming like girl um, I, I mean it's just it's just disgusting i i wouldn't i anybody that would buy that and it's scary because you imagine walking past but you don't know who's got those glasses because the camera is so subtle that you don't know it's like are they filming me are they filming people like am i going to pop up somewhere am i going to be on it's just uh, i don't know why this was allowed it's it's fucking disgusting i'm so against i'm i'm not against technology but Humanity is not ready for most of the technology we have because they use it for villainous purposes. They all fucking do. Look, you know, you know, and I, look, look, I just said that I that I use a technology to to better my life and to make make, make the things I do easier. But I'm not going to I'm not going to lie. When I was a lot younger, I used technology for not you know, above board purposes, but I'm past that now, you know, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a better person now, but still, you know, I, I can completely see where you're coming from. And I think that if, if humanity doesn't get better, it's going to get to a place where things like, uh, things like we saw in this movie and those, and those glasses will exist. Yeah, exactly. I mean, anyway, yeah. so that is the end of the movie. That is the end of the, discussion about how technology evil <laughs> sometimes well it depends on the person but okay, humanity okay, is largely fucked okay here we go here we go here we go i will yeah. I, I will i will be the optimist of our of our friendship like i i often am technology is largely bad okay but technology can be great if it's put into the right hands yeah exactly it's like it's like guns Guns yeah. are not bad. It's the people that use them that are bad. Yeah, of course. So people are trying to say, oh, no, look, I'm all for gun control. We don't have guns in Australia. We don't have shootings of schools. We don't have any of that. 
Um, I'm not going to say to someone, you can't have a gun. I'm not going to judge anyone for having, it's not, it's not my place to do that. Um, but if you don't just, yeah, stop judging the weapon and judge the person that's using it. This is the problem. Mm -hmm. It's the people, not the actual product. And on that public service announcement, I think, uh, <laughs> I think that brings an end to this crazy, wild, wackadoo edition of the Mixtape Podcast. Um, if you had fun, I hope you come back uh, next um Excuse uh, next me, time. what about my trivia? Oh my god, I did it again! <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> You know what? I'm just going to boot you from this podcast. I just do it by myself because you're losing a lot of brownie points with me every fucking time. You forget That's about my twice. trivia. I did it Jesus twice. Christ. Now, oh albeit I don't, listen, I don't have much trivia because trivia on this movie was so fucking hard to find. So oh look, I don't have God. much, but it is what it is. It is what it All is. All right, yeah, go, you go, get, go, yeah. go. Gotta fucking hell. Fucking hell. God, you're always trying to cut my shit out. <laughs> always i'm gonna cry okay so trivia number one this is david cronenberg's first original screenplay since videodrome in 1983 he should write more he is a great right like he's a great director but i think he really knows character and he really knows arcs story arcs character plot point he really does know so i don't know why he doesn't write more Here's the thing. Here's the thing with 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 people like David Cronenberg who write wholly original stuff. It's very hard to write wholly original good stuff all the time. So that's why I don't think he writes, and that's why I don't think he releases as many films as he would like. And the other thing is that David Cronenberg is an he's an acquired taste, just like yeah. knowing you and loving you, my dear friend, is. Yeah. David yes. Cronenberg is a very um, acquired taste. And I don't think a lot of major studios who do nothing but reboots and who do franchise bullshit these days are interested in the latest David Cronenberg film because it's going to be nothing. It's going to be nothing that they want. Well, they weren't even interested in even interested back in 1999 because the studio who escapes me had no faith that this movie was going to do well. They didn't like it. They didn't do any publicity. They released it in limited amount of theaters in America and in Canada. And that is why the movie completely bombed. Nobody knew what it was. And I just find that is so disrespectful as a studio to have someone like David Cronin or any fucking director make a movie and say, you know what, we don't like it, it sucks, we'll put it in cinemas because we said we were going to, but we're not going to do any, you know. And this is this is when David Cronenberg was David Cronenberg. Like, he wasn't a fucking nobody. And let me tell you, he was fucking pissed. He actually, like, left that studio because, like, fuck you. Like, this is why, again, I don't want to rant, but this is why I have issues with studios, because they are fucked. No, the other thing, the, the other thing about his newest film, uh, 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 Crimes of the Future, he self-financed that. He, um, oh, oh, see, there I, you go. See, yeah, he couldn't even... He, um, is that because he couldn't get the money? Um, I, I believe so. I believe so. Wow. Well, um, studio but, wouldn't uh, even give fuck. That's fucked. But on with your trivia. 
All right, I've got one more trivia because, like I said, trivia was difficult to find on this one because it's such an obscure movie. Nobody knows anything. So Jennifer Jason Lee, who played Allegra Geller in the movie, she actually insisted on keeping one of the prop pods with her at all times while she was filming, even took it home with her to strengthen the bond between her character and the pod, which I thought Ooh. was really cool. That... Because she did. She had a huge – in the movie, you see she's like – it's it's her baby. It's like she's yeah. given birth to this pod. It's it's like more important than her fucking life. Placenta, not pod. Placenta. Um, yeah. Okay. Placenta. Booty. Yeah. Placenta. <laughs> <laughs> Come on! It even has a fucking cord. No, um, no, no, but in all in all seriousness, I could see that because uh, Jennifer Jason Lee has been known to be a, a method actor, and method actors yeah. do shit like that all the time. Yeah. Okay. So that is the end of my trivia and feel free to close this out. All right, guys. So for a second time, uh, that brings this edition of the mixtape podcast to a close. Um, I just want to say thank you guys for listening to us talk about many different things, including this magnificent indie, you know, great, disgusting, interesting film from, uh, the master of weirdness, David Cronenberg himself. But um, just in case you're thinking about coming back next time, next time we will uh, discuss one of my favorite films from childhood. Uh, Mine the too. Last... Ah, hers too. <laughs> oh no! Oh no! We're oh, doing no. another childhood movie. Oh fuck! Oh fuck! <laughs> oh, fuck. Oh, oh my god! god. This is you. You keep choosing childhood movies and you keep fucking it up for you do this on purpose. I know you're trying to fuck this up for me. You you're not gonna fuck up the last Starfighter for me. You're not gonna do it. I'm not gonna allow it. <laughs> no, you're but, not gonna do it. No but you no but no no but do you seriously think I'm trying to fuck up our childhood? I'm still scarred by the first episode that we did. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're trying to, but I think you're doing it. I am not. I am Oh anyway, my god. Anyway, anyway, with that, um uh um for next time we'll be um uh covering the the brilliant 80s film um The Last Starfighter, so brilliant. Uh which so actually actually The Last Starfighter would work today um as a, you know, as a uh, a reboot of that film would work today 100% because the gaming landscape is so much more prevalent today than it was back then when it was initially made. So No, that's true. And let me tell you, this is going to be controversial. I don't give a fuck. I prefer The Last Starfighter over any of the Star Wars movies. So there it is. Uh, oh, mm. Guys, I need a minute. <clears throat> I need to come back to life. Um, uh, all right, fuck it. The show's over. Uh, see you guys. Uh... <laughs> Are you booting me? <laughs> Fine, you can just talk about this last life fighter on your fucking own next week. That's fine. I didn't want to do it anyway. That's fine. I'm out. That's fine. <laughs> I know. Just talk about no, it. Talk about it with yourself. <laughs> I think I need you. Um, <laughs> um, um, all right, guys. No joke. Uh, thank you so much for listening to our conversation this week. Um, and until next time, as I often say, if someone is kind enough to ever make you a mixtape, that must mean that they truly love you.
The Mixtape Podcast is a Balloonhead Productions presentation.